So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and today we are here with Marisa Gaudi. She is an author, magic maker, a writing coach, and an energy healer who teaches women how to embody and tell their own sovereign stories. In 2020, she published the best-selling book, The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic with Paper Raven Press. Marisa combines her passion for Celtic myth and Irish folklore with her feminist vision of creating an equitable world and her quest to bring more creativity, magic, and wonder to everyday life. Founder of the online community, The Sovereign Women's Circle, creator of the Seven Magic Words Project, and teacher of the Stand in Your Sovereignty Story Program, Marisa lives in upstate New York with her husband and daughters. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. It's great to be here. Oh my goodness. So great to have you. So I took your course, well, it was like a workshop. And it was like the perfect timing, writing workshop, right as we were coming into New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. It was December 30th. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It was a sovereign way. And you really did this great facilitation work of leading us on this journey of kind of exploring and releasing 2020 and really diving into the energy of 2021. And I got to tell you, it was so wild because I saw maybe like a week earlier, this notification pop up on my phone that you were going to be a guest on the show and spirit goes, go look at this website right now. So I went over there and I saw that you were having this workshops. I said, can we postpone our talk? Because I really want to take this first. Yeah. So thank you so much for the, the work that you do. And I really want to dive in because you brought something to the forefront in this writing workshop about the queen, the princess, and the wise woman. And I've been diving into archetypes a little bit. Well, that was last year in 2020. It can be a lot, though, when you look at all of these different archetypes. And there's so many. For those who don't know, describe archetypes and why this three formatted view, the princess, the queen and the wise woman helps us to really get this on a larger scale. Mm, Yeah. Oh, I love, I love starting here. Archetypes really came into kind of closer to everyday consciousness because of the work of Jung and that work of all, you know, of the that original school of looking at psychology and mysticism and really sort of tying a lot of these different pieces together, right? So an archetype is a pattern that has recurred over years, over generations, over different mythologies, they'll come up in all different places. Uh, Maybe your listeners have heard of the work of Joseph Campbell. Like He's the one who looked at the hero's journey and helped us understand that across all these different cultures and parts of the world, there's a similar story cycle that happens. And it's in ancient myths. It was then in Star Wars. Like It's in a lot of different pieces so that we get to know who the hero is. And a lot of our culture is built on that hero going out from home and going on the great adventure and coming back with the magic to transform the world at home. And so in the last more recent history, more women have come in and said, I think that the hero's journey is great, but it doesn't exactly explain the fullness of my experience here as a woman, as a feminine being. And so 
we can take these archetypes, and, the, and as you mentioned, I use the princess, the queen, and the wise woman, and they are very much feminine archetypes, but I don't believe they're just for women. I mean, any man who is willing to say, like, my inner princess needs a break, or, you know, my queen is really tired, or, you know, my wise woman understands what you're saying. I love this man. And I think that this work can be done by anybody who's willing to embrace the fact that they've got a princess in them, a queen, a wise woman, just as a woman would have a prince and a king, and they would have the wise elder in the wood too, who would be a male figure. So we can look to these archetypes as a pattern that says energetically over time, it means something to be in your princess energy. It means something to be in your queen and in your wise woman. So the way this came to me originally, well, way back, I heard slay the princess, crown the queen. Because there was that whole sense of like, we we really look at the princess as being really negative, like grow up girl, like you need to get your stuff, get your, you know, you're, you're over 30 now, like go and forth and be powerful. This princess stuff isn't working for you anymore. And so I was playing with that and over time. It was like, no, 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 we don't, you're not, we're not supposed to kill any part of ourselves. We're never really going to cut anything away. What happens if you free the princess, you crown the queen, and then the wise woman was like, oh, now she gets it enough. Come embrace the wise woman parts of yourself too. And so I've always worked in this sort of triplicate, and I always see these three aspects of always being a part of us. Instead of, you know, we may have heard of that idea of maiden and mother and crone as a way to describe the female life cycle which is really powerful to a degree. You know, it says that we start off, you know, single women, we go into motherhood and then we move on and we become that wise old lady. But I think that we always have access to all three of them all at once. Yeah, go back. Let's go back. Yeah. Let's talk to people because if they didn't catch the episode where I told them about your mm. kind of talk about princess, queen, wise woman, tell people who haven't heard that yet. What are those three parts? You described them like so beautifully that day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So the princess in us is our brave, adventurous, carefree, maybe her sexy parts of ourselves who want to go for a night out or want to go put on a pair of hiking boots and like take herself to the edge of the cliff, to the edge of beyond and say, I'm really unencumbered here. And I went on this amazing journey. Then there's our queen selves and she is confident and competent. She's the inner executive. She's got it all together. And she's the caregiver in so many ways. She's there to offer her care either out in career or offer care in her home and in her individual relationships. And in both, of course, she does both of those things. And then the wise woman is stillness and presence and that sense of really being with things. She's not necessarily about doing as much because she is being with. And there's a lot of kind of that stateliness to her, but she's also seen everything and she will laugh at the way of the world too, because she's just like, oh, silly humans. Like, let's just sit in this cave and cackle with the wise woman and say, we're going to do this all again. Like, it's all going to be grand. It's in, it's in divine order, but let's look at the big picture. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I loved how you said it too, or maybe it was the group that day was saying, if we let our wise woman just speak all the time, right? And let the wise woman inspire the princess within us, and then let the queen take the princess's ideas and run with them. We can work together with all three parts of ourselves to really, like you said before, to your point, just allow all of those parts to be within us and not try and kill anyone, but, but really let each thrive and succeed. Yeah. And I think it depends on our, our own personality types. You know, it, the group you were, you joined, we, that was kind of a part of my sovereign wisdom circle, my ongoing community where wisdom is very much baked into who we are and where we're moving toward and what we're embodying. But I think it's just as valid to say like, actually right now in this part of my life or based on who I am, this queen archetype really makes a lot of sense to me. I'm going to lead with her because that's what I'm called to do right now because she gets it done, you know, and the wise woman could really inform her. And in the same way, you know, maybe you've got the kind of 
business, the kind of work, the kind of energy, you're like, no, I want to be like the party starter. Like, this is my work. I am here to really say like, everybody, let's go play. In that case, you really live the princess, but you're doing it in a way that's really grounded with the wisdom of the queen and the wise woman so that you're not just out being a flippity gibbet so that, you know, because with the princess, without the backup of the other parts of herself can be immature. She can be irresponsible. She can, you know, she isn't as dependable as the other two might be. So we call in the different pieces so that you're, you know, well-rounded and in my language would be so you're most sovereign in yourself. I love that. I love that. Friends, I've got a few announcements. This month's winner of the drawing is Rebecca Nagel, who gets one free session with me. Email me a screenshot of your five-star positive review on Apple Podcasts for your chance to win next month. Details are in the show notes. Friends, in the Angel Membership, I'm teaching a new course on finding your soul's purpose. Why is your soul here? What is your path forward? You'll connect with your Seraphim Angels, Seraphina, Archangel Raziel, and more to find your answers, create a roadmap plan, and feel confident about your soul's purpose. Take this course live in May 2021 or any time in the future by signing up for the Angel Membership today. The Angel Membership guides you through every step of your spiritual awakening and provides a private community of like-minded souls. Also, a new class of the Angel Reiki School begins on May 1st. Join this separate program to develop your unique spiritual gifts and become an Angel Reiki Master. Friends, I'm still offering private readings. To book one, sign up for our weekly Angel email. Once a month, you'll get an email that contains a link to book your session online. One more thing, I am loving spending time with you live and answering your questions on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow me over there and on YouTube for tons of new content. Thanks so much for your support and sharing this podcast with your people. So you are very knowledgeable in Celtic and Irish folklore. We're going to be airing this when it comes up on um, St. Patty's Day. So I wondered if you could kind of give us some insight to that and maybe any connections just to like modern day as well. Mm, oh, that's cool. I, I love this time of year, of course. So, you know, of course, St. Patrick being the patron saint of Ireland that we associate with Ireland so completely. In my book, actually, I dive much more into St. Bridget and to Bridget the goddess who came before. Because that's one of the remarkable things about Ireland is that, you know, having thousands of years of history of Celtic history and the people who came before the Celts, so much of that has informed the Christian Catholic Ireland that, you know, we've kind of grown to know in more recent history. So, you know, St. Patrick came on the scene in the fifth century and, you know, a lot of the way that, you know, even there's a Celtic Christianity that's really unique to Christianity against the rest of the world. It's very much based in the earth. It's based on on the uh, even the, the weather and the nature of Ireland itself and a certain way of being really present with the elements and calling in that the ancient wisdom of the land with the Christian concepts and ideas and and and, and theology that came through. So you see that in Bridget, especially because she was around for you know millennia before, and there's all these different stories that interweave, which is part of what I love about about Ireland in general. But the sense of like the, the the pagan and the Christian sit side by side, and I come from a Catholic family. I come from you know certainly we weren't talking about Bridget the goddess until I discovered her when I went to college and said, wait, that's the part that really speaks to me even more. Yet I can be in my family lineage and be in the sense of, especially when I first got to Ireland, it's just like, oh, it's here. Like the land itself is talking to me. And there's so many different ways to access those stories and tell those stories through thousands of years of story. 
So I do do a lot of work specifically with Bridget. She's the one who's the, she's the goddess of the hearth. She's the goddess of healing of, of the Smith and the forge. She's the patron saint of beer. I mean, it's remarkable how you put all these different pieces together (laughs) and, and her holiday is actually February 1st. And so it's kind of the season from St. Bridget's day, Bridget's day into St. Patrick's day, because of course the the seasons run a little differently in, in Ireland, opposed to maybe in North America, where maybe a lot of your, your listeners are in that February 1st feels like spring when you're over in Ireland, opposed to here where it's, oh, it's in the middle of March, right? at St. Patrick's day. So it's funny how these echoes all kind of come through. I think there's a certain way of knowing and seeing the world that comes through this kind of Irish and Celtic lens that we get to all explore around St. Patrick's Day through, you know, the really commercialized holiday stuff, but it becomes a doorway into these other ways of knowing. So let's go into that more because one of the things that I think that we don't look at a lot of times is is, you know, paganism. And like you were talking about before, the weather and the elements and ancient wisdom, you know, of the land. And when you are raised sometimes in America in very Christian, Catholic, religious communities, you know, to even talk about that. I've only like heard the word in movies, but it seems like blasphemy would probably be like the word, right? Like you're not going to go talking about this stuff because that's like of the devil. And, you know, it's just made to be that way. So you don't even touch it. You don't become aware of it. Just like you said, in your own home, you didn't talk about St. Bridget until you went off to college and learned about her. And the deeper and deeper that I have gotten into this work, the more and more that I have found how certain cultures have taken what was beneficial to them, Mm -hmm. like Christianity, like Catholicism, and not to say that all of it is bad, but they have used it to their advantage, to have everything focused on what they want people to see, and not the beauty in other traditions. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, paganism and, and how it isn't this sinful, devilish concept that, that many may fear. And you know, to anybody listening, I do feel that there is something that happens too when you're raised that way, where it's been something that you've been made to fear for so long that it feels like vibrationally off to you sometimes because you've been told to shut that down your whole life. So if you're listening to this conversation, you're like, don't like this, just listen and be open and go into it because that is everything. You know, if we don't know something, it is going to feel vibrationally off to us until we learn about it and see there's nothing bad to it. Oh, you know, I love that introduction in that sense of invitation to see, to, to be curious, right? And that idea of being vibrationally off, that's how it felt to me as a Catholic kid sitting in mass saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. This isn't working for me. Panicking because I desperate, like I was a, I, I had this deeply spiritual yearning inside of myself. And ironically, I used to say, like when I was a high school kid, I have the spirituality of a rock. And I said that with this huge form of judgment. And then now I'm like, hey, I have the spirituality of a rock in the sense of like, that was me saying, I'm yearning to be out in the earth with my hands on the soil, with my hands on the limestone of Western Ireland. And I didn't know at the time, but that was spirit speaking directly through me. I mean, I would, I would be sitting in mass and I would get nauseous every time. And I would go and I would go and hide in the rosary garden. And I would sit next to Mary and we would talk and, and I would be like, actually you're a goddess and I'm seeing this because my, you know, early feminist self who didn't know how to express that yet either. I'm like, I'm sitting next to this gorgeous statue of a woman that's waking something in me because being inside in that building, saying those prayers every week, they're making me feel more dead than alive. And I knew inside that that wasn't where, how it was supposed to work. So it's that sense of being able to be curious and say, wait, 
where is my vibration? Where am I supposed to go with this? What is that next thing that tugs me forward? And, you know, I had read the right novels and this and that that had gotten me curious enough and pulled me a little further. And then, you know, getting to college and starting to study Irish history, Irish literature, Irish women's poetry, actually, in so many ways, was my gateway because that was where the feminine and the goddess was able to really sneak in. And the old stories from pre-Celtic Ireland, all of the great heroes and all the talk of the Druids and all of these really ancient ways, ways of being would come through a modern perspective because it was that sense of like, oh, these women, these poets are, are with these ideas every day. They're weaving them into their creative work. They're weaving this into the way they see the world. And I think, of course, for people who are born of Ireland, it is a much more organic synthesis because there certainly is the Christian and the pagan, and there is a bit of, well, there's this and there's that. But there's an idea in the Celtic world, especially where the veil between the two worlds is thin. And it's easy to walk in between them because it's going to an ancient megalithic monument, a a portal, a passage tomb, or a stone circle. And when you're going there and you're saying, this is the history of the land upon all of which my people were, were raised, it's a lot harder to see that as something separate from oneself. And so the idea around, you know, the idea of paganism is really about being close to the earth. I mean, the word heathen means, you know, of the heath. It means to be near to the ground. And these are words we've, we've turned out have been very much like, you know, you kind of hold up the, the, the hex sign and get away from me. But they're really, they're words that are pointing us to having a deep relationship with, like I said, the earth itself. And that way of calling on spirit to come through the soil, come through the water, come through the sunlight, as well as coming directly through spirit, through prayer. And for me, it just becomes a larger spiritual palette, I guess I could say, that when I can go outside and be earth, air, fire, water, all of these inform us and make us who we are, it becomes a sense of being home in myself all the time. And it means for me that there's much less of a separation. When if I was raised that once upon a time, you either had to say the Hail Mary, the Our Father, or go to church in order to feel religious. It instead, for me now, it's how do I live this in every day and in every way? How do I speak the language of my soul that makes the most sense? Because the archetypes for me to loop us back, the archetypes that vibe for me most brilliantly are of these old myths and these old goddesses and this old, the way that, you know, miracles were just called magic. And that it's a very similar way of getting to, it's a different way of getting the same magic or the same way of getting to different magic. It's both at once in a way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And can we call them different portals too? Because I've been writing a lot since the beginning of December. And one of the things that they had me start with, because I had the exact same experience, but I didn't have it with the earth. I had it when I understood more fully consciousness and Mm -hmm. energy, because I had always been like a profoundly spiritual kid. What really brought everything full circle for me was consciousness. Just like you're saying, everything brought it full circle for you with the earth. And as I was writing, they said, there's different portals. There's different portals to us getting into this divine vibration of oneness, this connection with all that is with God, with I am with source and So it's not that one's good, one's bad. It's just that everybody has a different portal. And and if yours is nature, it's okay to honor that within yourself. Right, right. And that's part of the amazing privilege of being alive at this immensely difficult time in our world is the sense of, and that's part of the pain that a lot of we're going through is there are more, we, we see more portals opening to us and we're making more choices that are different. And so it looks like a lot of division sometimes, but in, in certain ways, it's kind of the birthing pains of going through this portal, this series of portals that say, 
there's a lot of different ways to go where once upon a time, it was like, you know, actually I was, I was walking through a, a village where my, my daughters were in Irish dance class and I was walking through the village and it was just, you know, church after church after church. And I was thinking about that sense of like, wow, back not so long ago, the choice was like, are you Presbyterian? Are you Lutheran or are you Catholic? And I'm, I was thinking this and I was like, wow, we there's so many more choices and ways to enter through portals now. It only makes sense that if that we're, we're going through something really difficult because there's no more than three ways, there's more than six ways. You know, it's it's not just are you Christian, Muslim, or or, or Jewish at this point. And that I think that there's such beauty there. But when we can talk about the sense of like, and that's sometimes why things seem so hard right now. How do we use the spirit and source we're calling through to guide us through this big change in process? Well, and I'm so glad that you went there because as I was praying, you know, um, with spirit this morning and just saying, you know, God, what do you want us to talk about today? That's a question that came coming, like kept coming back up to ask you is talk to us about your interpretation of the healing work that needs to be done and not on a a mass consciousness level on an individual level within each person. Mm. I love the way you ask that question because for me, it's always the dance between the individual and the collective. You know, as someone who uses the word sovereignty in my work, I always have to be very aware of saying, I am very focused on doing the work inside the heart, the soul, the mind, your own personal, you know, complex of princess, queen, and wise woman. And that's a deeply sovereign work that says, I need to make sure that I am healed in here so that I can go out in service to the great collective, to my community, to make a positive difference and to show up in my relationships for my family and in my work. We do this work on the self in order to go out and offer our magic to the bigger world. Oh, this other piece of it that I also want to I think about, and it's, it's kind of the reflection of it, is you know, my healing work is at both the cellular level and the soul level. And that sense of looking at the vibration of an individual cell is kind of like thinking about the vibration of an individual person compared to the, against the, the vast collective, right? Like each soul, each cell in our body, when it's vibrating at its most illuminated, expansive place, then we're able to be reflective of the vast magic of our individual soul, our reflection of God. When we think about that also, as we do that work individually so that we can be part of the great collective, it becomes a really amazing way of like, as above, so below. Oh, right. As in me, so out there. And it becomes a really kind of holographic sort of way of looking at things that says, you know, right. How you do one thing is how you do everything. How I'm fully in myself in my body is how I can be fully out in society, how I can, you know, be inside my own story is how I can help affect the greater story. I love that. So talk to us too, because writing is so therapeutic. And I know this, people who might not realize how therapeutic this is, though, talk to them about that. And also, what are some questions that are good questions to reflect on this year to go deeper into that that healing journey? Mm. So, you know, writing is one of those tricky pieces of magic, right? Some of us come in and we know it from the very beginning. And you hear like, I've known I was a writer since I was six. And then there's others who, you know, their sixth grade teacher was the meanest person in the entire world and it broke their it broke their writer's soul. And it's still about healing those wounds. So I always find you know, as much as writing is my main portal, and I think it can be a fabulous portal for so many people, regardless of whether or not you fancy yourself to be a writer or not. I think that writing really for me at this point is as much about being a vehicle and it's about as well as being a portal. The outcome is great. I love when I write something that I want someone in the world to see. It's great to have written, you know, by all means, we need to write books so that other people can come into our worlds with us. But for me, writing is as much about that sense of being in the process and taking that chance to 
meet yourself on a blank page can be so immensely powerful in a way that, you know, speaking an intention aloud or saying a prayer out loud, what's the difference between writing that down on, on a piece of paper is that sense of as you release it, you can forget it, but you can also come back to it. And to me, it's a kind of time magic where you're able to, in this present moment, tell a story about the past, maybe something that you really need to heal. And then you come back, you close the journal, you come back days, weeks, years later, you can look at it and say, oh, I was writing that for my future self. And I can be in that again and loop back again. So I love writing both for what it does for us in that moment of being able to release and get things out to create something really magical for other people to read, but also to endure later as a piece of history that can help us connect to, oh, that's what I was thinking then. This is what I'm thinking now. What can I make next for myself? So the other piece, if I were thinking about writing prompts, and I was actually doing this with my group just a few days ago, was the idea of asking, what is it that I need right now? And really just taking that as a writing prompt. And say you wanted to take it, you know, five minutes at a time, if you're new to this practice. Oftentimes, a writing practice is great to go for 15 to 20. But if you sit down, you set a timer, what is it that I need right now? You keep writing and you write and you write. You don't take your pen off the page. If you realize you're like, I have nothing more to say, then you just keep writing the question. What is it that I need right now? What is it that I need right now? And in that, something unknown and something magical tends to happen because to go back to the idea of the portal, it's just, it's like knocking at the door again and again and again saying, let me in, let me know what it is that I need right now. And focusing on the self in that way, when you do that and really take yourself seriously enough, you're able to kind of to shed this junk you're carrying around with you in order to say, what is it that I need right now? What is it that I want to be right now? What is it that, I, how is it that I want to show up right now? You can do this sort of transformation from, I look at my sovereign self and my needs into, I look at my sovereign self and all that I could offer and all that I could generate in this world and allow that to kind of be the, like a, if you want to have an arc in, in your writing, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm called to do? Yeah. Yeah. I found writing workshops really early on in my early 20s. And what I found incredible with them was the ability to develop your intuitive self through writing workshops. So I remember one of the first ones that I was at, they had you really get quiet and go to like a different space in this big building. And they said, just tap into the words that come to you about your true nature and who you are. And we're just looking for like one word. And so I went, got quiet, and I didn't know how to meditate at that time, was just doing like some deep breathing work, just connecting to the peace and stillness that was surrounding me, the quiet. And the words, I am love, kept coming in. And I go, okay, well, that's not one word, but that's what it is. I am yeah. love. And that was really, really powerful. And in that same writing workshop, they had us do something else where I don't know, I don't remember what this exercise was, but we had to go around like, um, what was that called? Like musical chairs where they take one chair away every so often. And they were trying to prove this point, I think about like tapping into your intuition and just like kind of having calm among the storm and spirit was talking to me this whole workshop and they said we're going to tell you when to when to walk and when to sit just hold peace right just breathe deep in and out and so I won the first time and then I won the second time and they go Julie <laughs> That's not how that's supposed to work. But I, I don't remember the exact thing of that. But I remember, and I have some of those papers going back to it and being like, 
who I was back then and what I was trying to create in my life and build in my life, I got to today from some of those workshops back then. It put everything together that much. Do you find that too when people come back to you and talk to you? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's that sense, you know, there's a phrase I use pretty often is oftentimes we have to live a story before we can tell it. And I also think there's times when we, in, in the, using that concept of intuition you were speaking of, we tell these stories, we put them into words before we really know what we're talking about. You know, in the same way when I was mentioning, you know, this idea of free the princess, crown the queen, I had no idea what I was really coming into with that. The words come in first, then we live the stories, and then we're like, oh, I guess I ought to write this down. There's a lot in here. And we also, but of course, in the midst of that, there's all the writing that's happening in the journal. That's that part of, it's the part of becoming that we're doing and some unbecoming, right? Because we release things and we call new things in. Um, But you know what I love about the story you're telling about your first writing experience is look what they involved in that. It was not just sit down and write. We're at a writing workshop. You should write. They're saying, get up, walk around, explore, go be by yourself and then come back to a group and then let's play and let's do something that you might be like, what on earth does this have to do with writing? And the fact of the matter is, is it was everything. It Like writing is not the ultimate destination. Writing is part of what we do in the fullness of being alive. It's one of the many elements of creativity, of channeling through ideas and spirit and, and, and generating something that wasn't ever there before. So when we can take writing and say, this is one of the many pieces of the way I express my soul, the way I express my sovereignty, the way that I impact the world, it becomes, it makes so much more sense. And I think it takes a lot of the charge out of people who say, oh, I wish I could write, but I can't, or I just don't really have the time or someday, you know, That idea of being an aspiring writer, it's always kind of triggered me a little bit. I'll own that. You know, what are you aspiring to? Sit down, write. You are a writer. Go for it. Maybe you're an aspiring author. You'll be an author when you finish writing a book, but writing? Go play outside. Go for a walk. Then come back and write about what it was. Ta-da! You're a writer. Try it again tomorrow. See what else happens. So, Marisa, when you have one of those days where it's chaotic around the house, there's so much going on with the kids, maybe it's just one of those days, right? Do you sit down to write or what is your process to really work through the heaviness of that day or the energy of that day to really kind of recenter yourself? Mm. Well, I try my best to start every morning with writing my dreams. And at least that's, you know, over the cup of coffee, even if it's just a few lines to help anchor that in, sometimes it's as much as date, dream, the, and I'm like, shoot, but there's the intention was there at least. And it means somebody had a need before our mommy got to the next sentence or even to the next, you know, useful word. But that at least is what I try to build in to say, okay, I've touched my journal once today. There's, there's a beginning. Um, you know, of course, for those of us who are entrepreneurs in, this, in the spiritual and creative zones, we often realize we start businesses in order to help us stay in our magic more regularly. So, of course, for me, starting a community in which I get to write every, every week, every Wednesday by rote is immensely helpful. But that's to say having a community and a set container can really be wonderful because there's a sense of needing accountability to make sure that you're showing up no matter or what. I'm in a different state right now in that, you know, having spent all of 2019 writing so intensively, I was shocked to realize I really needed a year off. And it came such that, you know, I was still writing here and there, but I had to allow all of the discipline to fall away. It became, reading became much more of my practice. And I really, really focused on that instead of when I needed to be filled up, when I felt depleted, I'm going to read instead. So this is all to say that sometimes our writing practice doesn't look like a person with a pen or at a keyboard um, because it can be a longer, a longer go. And for me at this point, 
I have gotten to the point where I, my journal is really my my best friend and companion. So she's never awfully far from me. You know, the center console of my car is like purse, journal, water bottle. And so, you know, oftentimes when the kids are at activity, I'll go walk for a little while, often listen to a podcast, and then come back to the car and write for a little bit. I don't necessarily know that it's easy for everybody to make it sort of an organic part of their day. So it becomes that sense of, what can be these little oases of time I can create for myself already inside of my routine? You know, maybe it's, it is within, oh, right. I always have a few, a five minute break at this point. What if I didn't pick up my phone? What if I brought my journal with me? And instead of taking in more social media stuff, I spent five minutes just writing a little something. Oftentimes I find that people who would never fancy themselves to be poets can write out a few lines that feel a little bit like poetry because they aren't as, there's not as much pressure around making it make sense or telling a whole story. What if you just wrote out a few lines that sounded kind of neat? And so for me, it's really just that sense of discipline is wonderful when you're working on a big project and allowing things to be really organic is just as important, if not more so, as the breaths in between. Mm, That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. You know, you've been doing this work for a while, and you're such a great, amazing healer. I wonder, for those who find it hard to write, like, do you ever have people who come in and they're like, but I'm just not Mm -hmm. a writer? What other portals are there to accessing their intuition other than writing? Well, this is part of why I call myself a story healer, because I think that there's, we, we can often conflate writing and storytelling as being very similar, but they can really take very different roles in our lives if we have a really big block around writing, say. And of course, you know, coming with so much of my sourcing, being in the Celtic and Irish tradition, that's an oral storytelling kind of world. I mean, back then they had the bards, right? They were the poets who would come and they'd be the entertainers. And they were also the historians and the memory keepers. They would memorize over 21 years, all of the stories of the people. So, I mean, I cannot even imagine at this point, thank thank goodness for Google and Wikipedia and all of our shelves of books that we don't have to do that, right? But that is just to remind us that like, right, the oral storytelling tradition is actually much more enduring in the human story than this idea of being writers. Writing is a very modern sort of technology, especially for, you know, everyday people like us who weren't, you know, you know, priests or royalty. So for me, it really comes to that sense of if someone were coming to me and just says, you know, oftentimes it is, I have a story I need to tell and I don't know how to get it out there. And they may think, because I need to put this in a book. And that's sort of looking at the like, so I really wish that I had the courage to walk outside my door because I've been, you know, something traumatic happened to me. So I've been staying inside. I really think I should go to the moon because I want to conquer my fear of being outdoors. And instead it's like, well, instead of going from, I'm afraid to write to, I need to put a book out there. It says, okay, you want to first come out with this. What part of the story is compelling you? Why is she tugging at your robes and saying, I need to be told? And oftentimes, my role for people as healer becomes being that sort of first confidant and, you know, walking beside them for a little while as they explore the pieces of the story and start to say, well, why is it that I need to tell this? What part of this is really, really important to me and to my own becoming? What pieces need to be seen and held and healed and then grown from. Because there's a lot of the times what my work ends up being is helping people discern that actually is for you. That's something that you need to sit with and really find a sense of peace with. The part that you tell out in public that seems too terrifying to ever say out loud It's true. Maybe a lot of those parts are so intimate. You keep them to yourself because they are about, you know, a family member, because there's something that, you know, for whatever reason, like doesn't feel right that gets out there. Well, you're right. Maybe intuitively you're correct on that, but you still have a story to tell. 
there's something in here for you in terms of what you've survived, what you've learned. And I think of it as a kind of alchemy. You take the raw material and you turn them into something glittering and magical, right? That's the process of the healing that goes through from, I couldn't possibly say this loud, but I must. Let's find out what you must say. And if it comes out in writing, awesome. If it just empowers you that you're able to have a conversation with a family member, with a friend, and just feel more at ease with this story, that right there is really deep, powerful, important magic. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I'm glowing. And you know what? You do have something because I've told you stories I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast here today. Just like you have something that like draws people in to just like bring forth their truth to you. Amazing. Marisa, tell everybody where they can find you online. So my website's marisagowdy.com. And pretty much once you know my name, you can find me anywhere there is on the social media webs. Um, and Instagram, I have a page on Facebook, both for my book, The Sovereignty Knot, and then a page for my writing, coaching, and story healing work. And I, you know, I work both with entrepreneurs who are really working to tell their stories in a way that's really authentic and connects people to, hi, this is really me. I'm not going to tell you a sales pitch. And I also, you know, work with people who are in that sense, sense of like, I have something inside of me that I want to find a way to express. And we take away a lot of the expectations around it and say, well, what's the process here? What is it that you want to move through? What do you want to share? And so, you know, I'd love to any, you know, so there's stories I'm sure in your audience that are yearning to be told. And, um, you know, I love making space for that for people. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so, so much for being here. And thank you for all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you, Julie. It's been great to be with you. You too. Beautiful souls, I'm so excited to announce that my book on angels and how they're working miracles in your life will be available on Amazon fall of 2021. If you're listening on or after fall of 2021, check it out. Friends, if you'd like to work with me each week, my angel membership program is perfect for you. You can join at any time and you get access to past courses. In 2021, I'll be teaching you about a new topic each month. We started the year in February with a course on oneness and raising your vibration. March is angel communication, how to hear your angels. April is trusting your intuition. May is knowing your soul's purpose. June is working with Archangel Raphael to learn self-energy healing techniques and Chakras 101. July is rewriting the stories you've been holding on to. August is all about rewiring your mind to move past blocks. September is energetically working through ancestral trauma. October is working with your inner child and Archangel Michael. November is a guide to being an empath. Then we're rounding out the year with a course in December that helps you connect with your loved ones on the other side to help you deepen your personal connection with them. And in January 2022, we'll be back with a whole new course on manifestation and co-creation. You get all of this live group access to me, two new pre-recorded Reiki healings, and advance notice to book a session with me when you're an angel member. Sign up for the angel membership anytime. If you're listening in 2022, please know that we're planning to add new content each month. For details and to sign up, view the show notes below. Friends, the only thing that's not included in the angel membership right now is the Angel Reiki School, where you learn to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Whereas the angel membership is about your awakening journey and your personal spiritual growth, the Angel Reiki School, on the other hand, certifies you as an Angel Reiki Master Teacher and teaches you the art of energy healing and bringing through messages for your clients. Friends, if you're feeling called to the Angel Reiki School, it's because the souls you're here to help on earth 
Well, their omnipresent piece of them, you know, their higher selves on the other side, that's what's behind you, pushing you, fueling you to become who you're meant to be. Because when you do, they know your work will shift the trajectory of their life here. That's what I mean when I say you have big, big purpose in this lifetime. A new class of the Angel Reiki School starts on the first of each month. Speaking of the Angel Reiki School, we're going to need about 800 volunteers this year. We select volunteers from people who've written a five-star positive review and emailed us a copy. That way, we have a way of contacting you for your free volunteer session. Many of you have asked if I'm still booking sessions, and the answer to that is yes. I love, love, love my sessions with you. We have a new system where we send out an email once a month with a link to my calendar for you to book online. It's really easy. All you have to do is sign up to be on my email list on my website, theangelmedium.com. I've been spending a ton of time going live with you on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and I'm having a blast with it. Join me over on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new content, teaching videos, and actual video footage of these podcast episodes. Friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for being part of this community and listening to this show. I truly feel that this is your show and the angels show, and I just feel so blessed to be a part of it. You're the most supportive community a podcaster could have. I pray for you every day. If you have a special prayer request, you can submit it through my website homepage, and I'll be praying for you personally. Now for the oneness meditation, which is the last five minutes of every episode. And as you do this meditation, you'll raise your vibration and the vibration of the planet. Friends, what I want you to do is to just get into a relaxed position. If you are driving, operating machinery, need to concentrate, then this meditation is not for you. But anyone who is able to focus their attention on it, please join me. Friends, I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I want you to imagine that your socks, your shoes are off and that your bare feet are able to connect with the soil of the earth. And down through the bottom, the soles of your feet are these large roots that go down far and wide into the earth. Those roots go down far and wide, anchoring you into the earth as if you were a tree yourself. And up through those roots comes this beautiful, yummy, tingly energy. Begins to tingle at the tip of your toes. I want you to allow this yummy, tingly energy to just dance up over your feet, around your ankles. Feel this yummy, tingly energy as it moves up over your calves, your shins, all the way up to your knees. Feel this energy at your knees and allow it to move up the thighs, the hamstrings all the way up to the sides of the hips. I want you to allow this energy to move from the hips up to the base of your spine, the base of your stomach. And I want you to feel this energy as it climbs up the spine and the stomach all the way up until it reaches your heart. As you feel this yummy, tingly 
sparkly energy surrounding the outside of your heart, filling the inside of your heart. Notice how your entire body comes into a gentle state of ease. Allow this energy to move up into the shoulders, into the neck. Feel it as it fills your entire head front to back, side to side, top to bottom. And then feel this energy as it moves through the hair follicles on the top of your head so that you feel this yummy tingliness two inches to ten feet or higher above the top of your head. Friends, you might feel like there's a string above your head lifting you up towards the sky. You might feel an airy floatiness. You might feel an expansive spaciousness. What I want you to do from here is imagine that there is this large opening at the crown of your head. It's the size of a cereal bowl, right? And I want you to imagine that it extends upwards towards heaven and that God sends this loving, peace-filled oneness energy. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's bliss, it's ease, it's grace. And God just sends this energy through the crown of your head. It moves through your head, down through your neck, down through your shoulders, and it starts to pool. This God energy starts to pool around your heart, within your heart. And I just want you to feel that for a moment. And I want you to just tap in and notice. I want you to notice that your heart, your physical heart, is one with your body. And I want you to notice that your heart and your body are one with the air surrounding you. that your heart, your body, the air surrounding you are one with all life here on earth, all plants, all people, all animals, all life on earth. And now notice how your heart, body, air surrounding you, all life here on earth are connected to everything, everywhere. Friends, did you notice how your body got more expansive, your energy got more expansive, and you could feel out into your auric field, you could feel out into the energy of the world, into the energy of everything, everywhere. Friends, that is oneness. And you can carry oneness with you in your everyday. I don't want you to stop here. I don't want you to open up your eyes. I want you to continue this meditation and to see that surrounding you are angels. You have guardian angels around you. You have cherub angels holding the space open for you to get into oneness at any time. You have archangels working with you in every area of your life. You have loved ones on the other side. See them. See them in detail, friends, because you seeing them in detail is the exact same thing as you going to them on the other side, knocking on their door, asking them to spend time with you. They love you so incredibly much. They want to spend time with you. They want to develop that relationship with you. When they're there, you're here. I know it's different, but you can still have that beautiful, incredible relationship. All of these beings, your angels, your guides, your loved ones on the other side, they form your spirit team who's always working to guide you, direct you, protect you. 
friends, what I want you to do is just take some time with them right here, right now. What they want you to know is that they are working with you all the time. What they want you to know is that they are sending you signs and symbols to show you that they're next to you. Friends, they ask you to see that they are bringing in gift after gift after gift through your heart chakra to bless your life with miracles. Friends, it's your job to remain open, to believe, and to trust that they are working miracles in your life. Friends, I love you. They love you so incredibly much. Stay open and know, believe, trust, have faith, know like you know like you know that they are working with you always. See you here next time. Have a blessed day.